I just want to honour you, Nadine. You're amazing. Okay, I asked her to answer a question. And originally, I thought that we would have maybe three people sharing, but what Nadine had to share was too profound to only give her five minutes. So she's going to take the whole time, if that's okay. <laughs> I'm just going to find the question so I let you know, um, and then I'll pass over to her. All right, so this was the question I said. Jesus is alive. Amen. I'll say that again. Jesus is alive. Amen. He's crushed death and the power of sin. He's made a way for us to have relationship with God. What has relationship with God set you free from and how has the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit impacted your life? That's what Nadine's going to talk about today. Thanks, Naomi. All right, I've got, I've got my, my little time thing for me. I'm a bit of a talker. Ah, thanks. I've been so nervous all week, but sitting in the pews, I was just kind of like, oh, this is my family. Like, I just felt at ease. I'm like, oh... This is nice. It's like a family meeting. Um, so to break down the two questions, what was my relationship, um, sorry, what has my relationship with God set me free from and how has the Holy Spirit changed my life? I do have notes along the way. Now, for those of you that are picture learners, I printed out a key and along the way I feel like God has given me keys that have helped um, awaken or unlocked um, more of him on the journey to freedom. And I feel like as soon as we give our hearts to the Lord, we are free. Um, and I've learned along the way how important discipleship is because sometimes as Christians, we don't know we're free and we continue to live in a life that's not our freedom. So as I answer this, I'm... Um, taken back to when I was a child my mum gave her heart to the Lord when I was 11 and that's sort of when the beginning was for me because I saw her life change so much and even as an 11 year old I was like this is good and this is what I want that's how much the transfer transformation was now it's been a journey you know it wasn't just bam one night our whole lives changed but I could see the change and it affected our whole family and I'm like I want that so I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 11, and I can say I had really good teenage years. I'm so thankful for that. Made good choices, had good friends, have good memories into my young adulthood. And so um, that journey of my teens is actually even better than my, my childhood. So I'm, re I'm, I'm so thankful my mum found the Lord, and it affected my life. Um, so even though I made really good choices, during my teen years, um, they were good and they had good effects, but they didn't mean I knew I was living in my freedom because a good choice doesn't just doesn't mean you know you're loved and a good choice doesn't mean you know what you're free from. So they have good, they have good benefits, but it is about relationship and getting to know God. So when I was 16... 
I had an unfortunate visitor called fear. I was laying in bed and I felt the presence of fear and it didn't go away. And unfortunately, that was the beginning of panic attacks, anxiety, depression, and I actually kept a lot of it hidden from my family because um, I, I felt a bit embarrassed by it. I felt a bit ashamed. I started to see demonic spirits at night and I'm like, that's just creepy. I don't want to share that with anyone. Um, so I kept a fair bit of it hidden. And from the outside, I was doing quite well. Like I had friends and I was doing study, um, did some traveling. So everything looked pretty good. So it wasn't that hard that hard to hide. Um, unfortunately, as the years went on though, it got worse. And so my first year of marriage probably wasn't amazing for Luke in the sense of what I was going through. Um, but he is a huge part of my testimony because he just loved, loved me unconditionally through any attack, through any panic, um, the whole way. Very, very thankful. Um, so, my move to Darwin. So I know I've jumped a few ahead a few years from 16, but um, it's not my whole testimony, it's my testimony on freedom. So that's why I'm jumping ahead. And because the journey of knowing my freedom began here in Darwin. <laughs> um, so I was, I was raised really well. My parents raised me um, to know Jesus in the best way they knew how, and, and it was really good. Um, there was just more to be known. And so I moved with Luke to Darwin, and um, I had a lot of health issues. I couldn't have gluten or dairy or fructose because they caused pain in my stomach. Um, the panic attacks were regular. The demonic spirits at night were regular. The depression was deep. I'd left my family. Um, and I, I, to put it sweetly, I came to Darwin kicking and screaming. I did not want to be here. Now, a few of you have probably heard some of this story before. Um, however, when I moved up here, um, God has changed my life. So in those um, times of, like when I was 16 and I first felt fear come upon me, I remember crying out to God. Like I prayed. I was like, God, take this away from me. Um, and I can say my prayer wasn't from a place of faith. It was a place from that fear. So I'm feeling fear. And so I, I didn't pray confidently. I was just desperate. And so I can honestly say God has answered my prayer, but it just wasn't instantly in that moment because I wasn't praying from faith. I didn't know who I was in Jesus. I didn't really fully comprehend that he was in me and could set me free. But God has answered that prayer on a journey so that he knows the next time she needs to answer that, she's going to know that she can say no. <laughs> So I made, I made some friends when I first moved up. They're not here now, but the Steels, Kath and Tim, I love them. They um, were our first friends up here and had a big influence. And there, there's my first little key. Having friends around me, walking in their freedom was helpful. Choosing who I hung around with was enriching. I learned a lot from the way they lived and what they said. Get yourself some good friends. Reading the Bible. Suddenly reading the Bible like awoken to me. I had read the Bible in the past, usually out of discipline. But I just remember picking up the Bible and it just 
came alive. I was just like, it's like I've never read this book before. What is this? And so I read and read and read. And there was a scripture that stood out to me. And it said, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. And I'm like, the je-. and I was just like, the je- I remember standing in my kitchen, the Jesus, uh, sorry, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And I'm thinking how significant that is to raise a God from the dead. And I'm like, he lives in me. So here's my little key for you. I wrote that straight down on an A3 piece of paper and I stuck it up on the pantry and I read it every day until it sunk into me. When I was running this past Luke, Luke's like, don't forget to mention that you put scriptures all over the house. (laughs) So it wasn't just the pantry, but there were suddenly so many. (laughs) So if a scripture stands out to you, it's usually the spirit stirring in you and I recommend don't just leave it in the Bible, put it up somewhere. You can write it on a mirror, the pantry, the back of the toilet door. I've done that many times because how often do you sit there? So I recommend put scripture up. So communion and overcoming the panic attacks. My husband Luke and our friends the Steels had been talking about the power of communion. Do you want to tell daddy? So if you, if you didn't know, I have four children. <laughs> that's, that's number two. Um, the power of communion. They were telling me about the power of communion and I, had, I struggled with this concept because I was like, I knew it was to give thanks to Jesus, but I'm like, I don't really see power in it. And so they've been sharing with me. And so one day I felt a panic attack coming on. I knew the signs. And so I'm laying on the bed during the day. I was on a weekend at Woolening out at Litchfield. And I was like, Luke, get the communion. So he's like getting the elements for me because I'm thinking, this thing's coming. If this is powerful, I need it now because nothing else has worked. And so he brings the communion over to me. And I just remember sitting there and just praying and just being like, thank you, Jesus. And just began praying and thanking him for his body and thanking him for his body. And it, it left. It was gone. I did not have a panic attack and I have not had a panic attack to this day, seven years later. It was gone. So there is definitely power in communion. Definitely power. And so there are other testimonies like that where I'm like, there is so power in the name of Jesus in communion. Um, so little, little um, key moment, take communion regularly. Um, this journey's really stirred up compassion in me for people that don't feel free. I feel like there's a lot of non-believers that don't feel free for obvious reasons, but there are Christians that aren't feeling free. And from my own journey, I'm not okay with that because we rock up to church and we do all the right things and then there's like suffering in the hidden places. And yeah, that's not okay because we all have access to freedom Jesus came with compassion. I feel like he has a lot of reasons that he didn't have to be compassionate when you read the word and look at the way they treated him, but he came with compassion. It says in John 3:17, it's a pretty popular one. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I have often lived with a condemning mindset. 
That's why I used to struggle reading the Bible. It just made me feel guilty about all the things I wasn't doing. But um, Jesus' desire is not to judge me, but to show me through his life what I have access to for my life. And I don't have to wait till heaven for my ticket to get there. I used to live thinking, well, suicide's not an option because I might go to hell, so I guess I just keep living until I get to heaven. That's not living. <laughs> that is, that's, there is access now. I just didn't know it. His spirit lives in me and around me, and I can confidently say I have encountered God and I can intend to live this way for the rest of my life. What the world has to offer you. In the world around you, it tells you it can offer you freedom. But I feel like they're a little bit confused. I feel like what they're actually saying is you have a choice. And so we are in a blessed country where there's many things you get to choose for your life. We have free speech. You can choose what you want to do when you grow up. You can, even, you can choose your identity. I don't see that as freedom. I see that as a choice. Does having a free... So just think about this question. Does having a free choice always lead us to feeling freedom? When all the hype settles down and people are alone and reflecting to themselves... A lot of people are hurt and they're not feeling free. And they might be feeling anxious and depressed about not being good enough or pretty enough or talented enough or accepted or they haven't reached that goal yet or they haven't got to that career yet or they don't own a home yet or they've got lots of debt. There's a lot of pressure people are living with. There's definitely a lot. If you looked at me from the outside, I looked like everything was going really well. I didn't have the temptation as a teenager because I'd seen it in my childhood and that wasn't, that wasn't appealing to me. Yet, all these good choices, although they were a good, um, had a good outcome in my life, they didn't let my soul feel free. They, they did make a good impact and I'm really thankful. But they were not what brought me about hearing God and they didn't bring about feeling loved. My next title here is Glory City Church and Church Group, which you've heard some of already. So I heard from our new friends, the Stills, about a new church opening up called Glory City Church Darwin, and Luke and I drove the four hours round trip from Litchfield, where we lived, to attend. From the very first service, we were, we're coming back. We were like, we need this teaching, we are hungry, we're returning. Eventually, I heard about church groups that ran once a week, which I know you were just hearing Naomi share, and we both committed to a group each. So I was going to Naomi's group, as you heard, and then Luke was travelling to Phil and Tully's group. And so we're like, oh, if we're doing... Back then, church was, uh, I think, once a month. I'm not sure if it would shifted yet, or maybe it was on Tuesdays. There's been a few changes. <laughs> um, but we, we had to decide, okay, we've only got so much diesel, we've only got so much money, what are we gonna, how are we going to weigh this up? Maybe we'll go once a month each, once a fortnight. And we felt like God saying, just go. 
So I went every week in and out on Wednesday. Then we'd go on Sundays in and out. And then Luke would go on Saturdays in and out. And when I came to check our bank account, because I'm a budgeter with a spreadsheet, there was more money in there than we even started before we were driving. We're like, how the heck does that work out? I still don't have an answer, but I believe it's God. Through church group, I was discipled. I came each week and received so much more understanding about who I am in Christ, how he's impacted my life, why it's worth living for Christ. I continue to learn more and there has been so many joyful moments of finally understanding and making lifelong friends. The prophetic. So on my first visit to Naomi's house, they're like, we're going to do a prophetic activation. And I was inside like, no, that's weird. So my understanding of the prophetic was people get around you and they tell you this really weird story and you have no idea at the end what they're talking about. And then you go. And I was just like, oh, I don't even hear God. Why are we going to do this? Anyway, I'm in the circle now, so... I can't get out of it. And they're like, it's all right, it's all right. Just shut your eyes. And it's the first thought that comes to you. And I thought, Lord, I've been struggling with thoughts for years. So I, I was just obedient. And so um, they, I remember Ruth and Naomi specifically encouraging me that if it's loving, kind, and encouraging, it will be from God. And if it's like, you know, depressing and putting down, that's not from God. So I was like, okay, that's, that's pretty easy to decipher. And they're like, just, just from your own thought, just trust that it's not your own thought. Just give it a go. So we shut our eyes and we were listening for a word to give to the person to our left. So I shut my eyes and I had this thought come in about joy. And I'm like, Ugh. so I kind of frobbed it off in my head before we even started. And then we began sharing. And when it came to my turn, I just remember sharing this word, thinking, Ugh. and um. I just remember looking over and there's like Ruth crying and they're like, you heard from God. And I'm thinking, did I? I still wasn't sure, but they were so encouraging about it. I was like, all right, I'll just believe that. And so suddenly, um, you know, my time at home and like these little activations, it suddenly dawned on me, if I can have these horrific images in my head from the enemy that were torturing me for years and seeing things in my bedroom. Why the heck can't I hear God? And suddenly I'm like, of course I can hear God. And just this faith united in me. And I just thought, you know what, enemy, it's kind of in your face because all you've really done now is made me confident. Oh yeah, I can hear God. I've been seeing images for years. So I'm like, let's bring on the godly images. And so I began like searching in scripture and reading books and just being around and having activations in group. And it just um, really, put, really put a love on my heart for the prophetic. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, I don't even know what the prophetic is. It's just like hearing something from God in the way of either a picture or it can even just be a word of encouragement in the Bible. It's basically just God dropping something in your heart to encourage someone else. That's pretty much simply how it is. It's just got a really big name, the prophetic. And so it's actually quite simple. And um, the best way to act um, to receive it is to ask. And this also began me realizing we can ask God lots of questions. We can start growing. Suddenly, my world had changed and this is where like freedom was kicking in because if I had access to God just by hearing him and having him drop things, 
suddenly he was a lot closer. He wasn't just this person out there and this God that I prayed to and hopefully one day when this life's over, I'll get to heaven. Suddenly I had access to him to encourage me straight away and suddenly he had access to teach me new revelations and suddenly the word, the word of God was alive. So jumping to the future, I took a trip to the doctor one time. Um, I just had the twins. And so I had four children aged three and under. And so he's like, so how are you going? I was actually there for the kids. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty good. And he's like, how are you going mentally? And I was like, oh, you know, I had depression once before, but I'm good now. And he's like, so how have you done that? And I said, oh, I've just I've actually learned that not every thought I think is my own, so I don't own them all. And he's like, how old are you? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, um, I can't remember how I was at the time, late 20s. <laughs> and he's like, I've never heard such wisdom from someone your age. And I was like, oh, I didn't come up with it. It's actually in the Bible. <gasps> he was even more astonished. He's like, these are the sorts of things I only thought were in Middle Eastern religion. He said, I thought you just cast demons out of people. And I was like, oh, no, no. Like, it, the word is actually full of, full of a, lot, a lot of wisdom that I've gained from. And it taught me I don't have to own every thought that comes at me. And he was astonished. And he goes, so um, how are you going with people around you? Because, you know, it can be really hard with lots of little ones. And I'm like, oh, great. Women's groups on Wednesdays. I just had some twins. People are dropping off meals all the time. I've got a great community. He's like, that is great. And then he shared with me a statistic that said um, one in 10 people that um, have antidepressants will, you know, come out the other side. But one in three people will come out the other side from having healthy community around them. And so the statistics of, like, remaining with people is high. And so my tip to you in that, I'm not saying if you're on antidepressants, you need to go home and throw them out. I'm not saying that. I'm saying get community around you. And I'm saying be connected in. So here's my key. Good friends benefits everyone. It might be simple, but it's true. An end to the demonic visitations. So I'm not going to go into gory details here because I'm not here to glorify the enemy. I'm here to glorify God. But the demonic visitations were every single night. And something would appear and I'd wake up and be aware. Nothing ever happened directly to me. Um, but for obvious reasons, it wasn't very nice. And because it continued, my husband Luke spoke to our new friends, the Steels, and to Roger Latham. <laughs> and so they, they came and spoke to me and they're like, Nadine, have you ever heard about um, having access to your soul? And I was like, no. And they're like, well, if you imagine the body like a window, your five senses can be like a window of things coming in and out. And so good things to come out are obviously like God and the Holy Spirit and, you know, he can, you know, use our voice and use our touch and use our sight. And they're like, but the same goes for in. And they're like, we just want you to think about, like, is there anything you are allowing in that's not of God? And I was like, oh, this is interesting. They're like, for instance, taste and smell might be drugs. People take drugs and then sometimes they have effects from them that affect their soul. And so I had to think about this because I'd had a pretty tame life. Um, and I realised that something I was finding comfort with when I'd felt depression was to just constantly watch movies because then I could tune out from what I was feeling into someone else's life. 
But I did easily get scared by the, a lot of things that I'd watch. Not that I watch scary movies, but something like Cold Case. I'd be whew, up all night. And so I was like, okay. So I got all these DVDs I collected. This is pre-Netflix. All these DVDs I'd collected for a long time. And I threw them out. And I cried. <laughs> I know that sounds pathetic, but like this had been my little safety net to tune out. And so I threw them all out. I'm not saying go home and throw out and delete Netflix. I'm not saying that. I love a good movie. But this had been like a comfort. And I'd just be like consuming them all the time. And so after I threw them out, I'm like, oh, I hope that was worth it. Do you know they stopped that night? And they, and they didn't come back. And it was something so simple. And so my, my, my key to you, like I said, isn't you have to go throw everything out. Um, I, like, I see a lot of images. I have a very vivid imagination. And God uses that. And unfortunately, the enemy had been using that. And so it's a bit like if you have sensitive skin to soap and you're like, oh, I've got a bit of a rash. I feel like some people's bodies are sensitive to spirits. And some people just react to the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, you can react in different ways. And so I was having a reaction to that and, and seeing things that were not of God. That there was a way to stop it. And so my key to you is for you to ask yourself a question. Is there anything I need to remove from my life that is impacting it negatively? So that might be a question just uh, spend in your quiet time and ask God. That he might not say anything or he might say something completely different to me. But I think it's a question worth asking. Now, very occasionally, I will still see something, and it might appear, but I deal with it differently now. First of all, I go straight to God. Jesus, remove this in your name. And if it remains, then I'll ask him, why is this here? I'll pray over everyone in my house, and I'll ask him, because I'm not there to interact with that. Why, why is this here, God? And I'll wait to see if he says something. And I'll continue to pray until it goes. And that's generally what happens. <laughs> the other week, I had a day. I am wrapping this up soon. I had a day where, like, just, it was, it was terrible. It was like how I was seven years ago. And I didn't even recognise it at first. I thought I was going crazy. I'd had this... Um, the little visitor at night and then I was feeling depressed and anxious I felt like crying I was really touchy with my kids but it increased and increased to the point where I'm like I can't handle the way my body feels right now it's like a crushing on my chest and so suddenly I felt like God just made it obvious to me this is old and so unashamedly I rang my friend or messaged my friend Carla who a lot of you know, and Sharon. And I said, I feel like God said this is old and I'm under attack. And they're like, we'll pray for you. And so they prayed for me um, and I became aware and I was praying and I physically felt it lift off my chest. And I was like, oh, I can breathe again. Like it was crushing my chest and I could breathe again. And I'm like, oh. I was just so relieved. And I was like, that. The difference between the two ways I was feeling are like two different human beings. And I had forgot how crushing it was. And so it ignited in me again a passion to be like, it is not okay people feel that way. Now I want you to realise something. If you're like, oh my gosh, it came back. That's, that's not the moral of the story. I was suffering with that for years. 
And here's this old thing going, oh yeah, we'll try this again. And it lasted, what, half a day? Because this time it was recognised and I could go, no. And so dear Sharon here was like, you know, if something's coming, we have the permission to say no. We don't have to go, oh no, I'm going I'm to like walk through this again. And no. And it left. And it didn't come back. And I was like, I need to tell people this. And Naomi's like, you can tell them in a few Sundays. <laughs> so here's a key for you. Where's my little key? My key. I recommend, I know I sort of touched on friends, but I recommend being in a good community of people. If there are people around you that don't make great choices, that you feel like you're there to help, that's okay, but I recommend making sure that you're knitted in with a good community of people. Then I recommend it's also good to encourage the people around you. My friends couldn't give me the freedom I was looking for. So Carla and Sharon, they couldn't make me free, but they can remind me and they can love me on that journey. And then that's what Jesus does. My story might be different from yours on my journey to discover freedom. You may not actually relate to any of it. And that's okay. My point is I want you to hear some keys that God has used to help me. You don't have to go home and copy out every key that I've mentioned, but I want you to ask God a few questions. It says in the word that we enter through the gates with praise and thanksgiving. I highly recommend taking communion often. It's an entry point of thanks and you will be in his presence. We have access to him freely because Jesus died for us and raised again. My whole story is only possible because Jesus died. I haven't even touched on experiencing like peace in my core. I was like, oh, I've never felt that before. I haven't touched on like pearls of wisdom he can drop to you. I haven't touched on praying and seeing miracles happen. I haven't touched on having like other amazing scriptures that have jumped out to me. I just want you all to know that wherever you're at on your journey, no one's behind. We are all just moving forward. So here's the key for you. It's a scripture in Matthew 5, 6. It's a promise. If God says a promise, he is the best promise keeper. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I have two songs I'd love for you to hear and just let God love over you. And so these songs, God reminded me that he really touched me. Even though I'd been a Christian for a long time, I struggled to let him love me. It almost felt selfish, which is totally a lie. But I was like, oh, but it's about worshipping him. Like, I knew he loved me, but it's about him. But I just remember listening to this song one day, Reckless Love. You've probably heard of it. And I remember just being on my knees and weeping and weeping as I allowed him to love me. And so I want us to have the access to be able to be loved on. And so I want you to receive the lyrics... And if you feel 
that you'd like to come up and be prayed over, I want you to unashamedly come up. And there'll be some of us here available to pray. Or perhaps you're like, actually, I want to say yes to Jesus because I, I want him to have an influence in my life. And I want you also to be free to come up. So I will be available and so will be some others. Otherwise, sit back and just let him love on you.